Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you that the Lord Jesus is all we need. He's able. And so, Lord, we pray that tonight you would help us, you'd encourage us, Lord, as we turn our eyes upon Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you do, you turn to John, please, John chapter five, John chapter five, verse one, and we're gonna study about this very special man. After It says there, and after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind and halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? The imminent man said, answered him, sir, I have no man, but when the water is troubled to put into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered him, he that made thee hold the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they then him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, behold, thou art made whole, Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Okay, this last week, I spent a whole day with a lost Orthodox Jewish friend. And all day long, I did everything that I could to persuade him to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he didn't. And I've been thinking all this week, why? Why didn't he come? This passage gives the answer. Because in this passage, the Lord Jesus confronted a man at Bethesda, which by the way means house of mercy, and he asked that man a very strange question. I mean, he looks into the face of the man who's been laying there for 38 years as an invalid, and he says in verse six, Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? I mean, the Lord asked him, do you really want to be made well? Do you really want to be made well? 
I mean, this is amazing, the thing that he's been there for 38 years and he asks him a question like that. Now first, let's consider the real need of this man. The question was actually very personal for the man when he said, will thou, as if pointing a finger at him, will thou be made whole? When the Lord said that, it was as if the Lord was exposing a fundamental need in this man. And in a very personal way, he said, how about you? Would you want to be made, will you want to be well? You want to be well? Now, I know this need. When I came to the Lord Jesus, when I came to the Bible first, looking for God, I had a fundamental problem. My heart was dirty from sin. And I read in Matthew 15, 17, when the Lord said, do you not, do, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever it entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and cast is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. When I read that passage, it was just the Lord right through me and asked me that question, wilt thou be made whole? I've just identified what your problem is, what you did, and then the question is, do you really want to be made well? My fundamental need was my sin, and the fundamental need of this man was his sin. How do you know that? Because you look in verse 14, when he says, afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, behold, thou art made whole, sin no more. Don't continue in sin, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So this man was in a condition of sin, My fundamental need was sin, what sin had done to me. I told the Lord, yes, I want to be made whole. And I finally was made whole. So months later at Emmanuel Baptist Church when Pastor Rahan then led me to the Lord there in Pacific Beach. But sin had left me with three fundamental problems. I needed deliverance from sin. That was the first problem. I needed forgiveness of sin. That was the second problem. I needed cleansing from sin. Three fundamental sin, three, three fundamental problems that sin caused. A need for the deliverance from sin, a need for the forgiveness of sin, and a need for the cleansing from sin. And what my Orthodox Jewish friends told me is that what he found in Orthodox Judaism was great family and community. Family and community, he kept emphasizing, family and community and religion. But those three fundamental needs that sin had caused did nothing for him. It did nothing to relieve him of those three fundamental sins. Now let's consider the first one, deliverance from sin. Sin's a trap. Whenever a person enters into a sin, he can't walk out. Sin is enslaving. King Solomon gave a very descriptive title to this personal enslavement of sin when he said very significantly in 1 Kings 8.38, 1 Kings 8.38, here's what he said. He was praying to God, and he said these words, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. So you get those words which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, spread forth his hands toward this house. He was referring to Jerusalem. So Solomon called the personal enslavement of sin, 
He referred to that as the plague of his own heart. It's a personal plague of the heart. I wanted so much to bring my Orthodox Jewish friend to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I could not, and the reason was because of what King Solomon said in that verse when he said, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. See, those words, prayer, be made by any man which shall know the plague of his own heart. No one, no one, no one is going to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ for deliverance unless he knows the plague of his own heart. That was the problem with my friend. As a matter of fact, he said to me that he didn't really see himself as a bad person, which was, was his way of saying, I don't know the plague of my own heart. I don't recognize that I have a personal plague in my heart. Solomon said, there is no man, there is no man that does not have a personal plague of his own heart because every man has sinned. And he said that in 1 Kings 8, 46. 1 Kings 8, 46, when he said, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. And then he went on and he also said it in 2 Chronicles 6, 36. 2 Chronicles 6, 36 said the same thing. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not. Just as the man who was lying on this bed at the pool of Bethesda there, and he couldn't heal himself from the plague of his body, no one could heal him also from the plague of his own heart. He had an inward problem, he had an outward problem. That was obvious to everybody. He was laying there in that state. He had an inward problem also. When I told my friend that he was a sinner, he said, well, I'm not perfect. You ever heard somebody say that to you? I'm not perfect. You know what that's code for? That's code for, I don't have a plague of my own heart. The Isaiah spoke of the personal plague of everyone's heart when he said in Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, very famous verse, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Everyone to his own way. Everyone personal plague of his own heart. David describes what that means when a person comes to know the plague of his own heart from sin, when he said in Psalm 102.20, Psalm 102.20, to hear the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death. The person who knows the plague of his own heart is a groaner. He knows the plague of his own heart and he's groaning like a prisoner because sin enslaves like a prisoner. That's why Paul said in Romans 6.6, 6, Romans 6.6, 6, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Sin is like a moray eel, a moray eel, moray eel. I had a very short scuba diving career. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I was allergic to my wetsuit. But anyway, <laughs> I was. But one of the things that we were taught, don't stick your hand in crevices and rocks because moray eels wait and they hide between the rocks with their mouth open and they just wait for a diver in curiosity to become curious and reach in and then snap goes the jaws and those jaws don't let up. And the diver has to come to the surface of the boat where another takes pliers and pries open the mouth of the moray eel. The moray eel is a picture of sin. Sin's like the moray eel. It sets its vice-like grip on a person who fools around with sin. 
and a person longs to be free from sin, but there's only one person who can come and pry open the jaws of sin, and that person's the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Lord Jesus Christ comes to the believer to pry open the jaws of sin, we can picture him prying open sin's vice-like grip, and as he's prying it open, we can hear him say the words of Romans 6.14. Romans 6.14, as he's prying it open, you can hear him say, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, you're under grace. So the cry of the person who knows the plague of his own heart is Romans 7.24. Romans 7.24, he, he groans these words, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who shall pry open the vice-like grip of sin? The cry is for deliverance. The cry is for only one who can bring that deliverance. And the next verse in Romans 7.25, Romans 7.25, tells who the prior is, who can pry open the jaws when he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just like the hymn says, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. Now, before this man encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, this man was known as, in verse five, in John 5, 7, the impotent man, the impotent man. He answered him saying, sir, I have no man, but when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, while I'm coming, never the step down before me. This is quite a title, the impotent man. It's saying the man is paralyzed, the man is powerless, the man is helpless. That's a picture of what sin does. We have three parts to our being. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. Sin works on all three parts. Sin destroys the body. In this particular case, the sin had destroyed his body, he was an invalid there, and then sin defiles the soul. Sin destroys the body, sin defiles the soul, and sin dulls the spirit. It dulls the spirit. I mean, just look at Samson. He fooled around with this sinful woman, Delilah, and he found himself, because he did that, in Judges 16.21, Judges 16.21, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. He never forgot that. Do you know that's what those words that he said when he died? When he brought down the, the, that, that house that all the Philistines were in with 3,000 people on there? Do you know that's what he said? He said, Lord, avenge me of the Philistines for my eyes. Anyways, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. He did grind the prison house. See, Gaza has a very bad history. Sin had so dulled his spirit before this happened, the verse before in Judges 16.20, Judges 16.20, when she said, when Delilah said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not, he didn't know that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even know that the Lord had departed from him because sin had dulled his spirit. And the Lord Jesus Christ looked right into the face of this man at the pool and detected his need of being powerless as he said to the man, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. What could be worse? I don't know, but whatever. He said, lest a worse thing come unto thee. That meant that the man now had the power 
to do what he could not do in the past. See, now the man could sin no more because he had been delivered from the power of sin by the deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who pried open the vice-like grip of sin and set him free. Before the Lord Jesus came to this man at the pool, this man was only looking to other men for help. He was looking, and it's a very sad statement. It's pathetic. It breaks your heart. When you read that in verse 7, the impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. It's so sad to see this man say, I have no man to put me in the water. It's a statement of loneliness that this is like the prodigal son who started out with a lot of friends when he had money, and he ended up in a state that's described in Luke 15, 14, Luke 15, 14, when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. It's a good job for a Jewish boy. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? The prodigal son started out with a lot of money and a lot of friends until his money ran out, and then he found himself feeding pigs, and he was hungry, and he says, and no man gave unto him. The man at the pool of Bethesda in verse five says, I have no man. And the prodigal son in the pig pen says, and no man gave unto him. Both men had no man to help him. Sin left these men abandoned by man. This man lived this way for 38 years. 38 years, it says in verse five. That's a long time of a wasted life. It's a wasted life. That's what sin does. Sin wastes a life. Every minute that a person is not delivered from sin is another minute of a wasted life. And the first need that this man has is to be delivered from the power of sin. The second that he has is to be forgiven. He needs to be forgiven. When the Lord said to him, sin no more, that means he had forgiven his sins. He had forgiven his sins. The Lord Jesus often not only healed the sick bodies, but he also healed sick souls by forgiving their sins, like this man, and also like the paralyzed man who was let down on his cot through the roof to, to, by his friends, he was let down to arrive in front of the Lord. That must have been something. And it's described in Mark 2, 3, Mark 2, 3. They came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, in other words, the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I mean, there was the man whose body was sick with the epilepsy or whatever, and behold, they brought him, it's another one, they brought him, brought to him a man sick of the palsy, sick of the epilepsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. So the second need is to be forgiven. The third need that sin causes is the need for soul cleansing for soul cleansing, and only the blood, 
Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse the soul from sin, as it says in 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only the believer, only the believer can know true soul cleansing. Only the believer really can know the answer to this prayer, the effective answer to this prayer, Lord, cleanse my heart from sin. A great prayer, but only a believer can experience that because of Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In Revelation 7.14, Revelation 7.14, they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the soul cleansing by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a coming attraction to the Jewish people. That's coming, that's coming. And that's prophesied in Zechariah 13.1, Zechariah 13.1, when it says, in that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. That's the soul cleansing, the soul cleansing from sin that was first announced, that was first announced by John the Baptist when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time in John 1.29, John 1.29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, which cleanses the soul, which cleanses away the sin. See, this soul cleansing is a cleansing of the conscience. It's really called a purging of the conscience. It's a purging of the conscience in Hebrews 9.14, Hebrews 9.14. How much more then shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, when the Lord Jesus said to this man, wilt thou be made whole, the man had to respond. That was a question. The Lord Jesus didn't just say, I'm gonna make you whole now. He asked him a question, will you be made whole? He wanted to heal the man, the Lord did, clearly, but the Lord would not heal the man until the man reached out to the Lord by faith. So he gives him a command in verse eight. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. The man had to take the first step and obey the command to get up, take his bed, and walk. He had to first believe, and then he obeyed the Lord to get up and walk. That was faith. I mean, I want you to just picture. Picture this man here. He's looking in the face of the Lord Jesus. He's looking. He's hearing the words of the Lord Jesus. He's hearing this invitation. He's hearing. He's thinking about what he said. He's thinking. And then he's believing what he said. He's believing. And then he's rising. That's a picture of Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. That man was doing exactly this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, set down the right hand 
of God. For consider, think about. For consider or think about. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. See, these words lay aside every sin. Looking unto Jesus, consider him. Looking into the face of the Lord Jesus, hearing him, thinking about what he said, faith is born. That's when faith was born. That's why he's the author of faith. When he was looking into the face of Jesus and he was hearing what he was saying and he was thinking about it, faith was born in this man and he got up. That's what it means to look unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus and considering him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 